Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, the Son of the living God, commit my spirit, body, my soul into your hands. And I ask that you take control over, my, over me entirely. And let me speak your word unadulterated, unpolluted to your people, Lord. Download from your heart and your mind what you have for your people into my spirit. Let me share with them. Let every information become a revelation. And let the revelation that they have as a result of the information be, bring them elevation. Thank you, Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Um, so, commonsensical um, for us is a combination of the grace of God and common sense principles. That is what this um, series will achieve will attempt to achieve. I believe that the grace of God is available to all of us. But I believe that you must have a very strategic response to the grace of God for you to see it manifest in your life. It is by grace that we are all here. It is by grace that we woke up this morning um, um, from our beds. It is by grace that we drove to this place um, this evening. It is by grace that will put us to sleep. But you also re re realize that whilst you are enjoying the grace, you are also being responsible. If you drove your car to a stationary car because you were driving carelessly, grace will not save you from there. So while the grace of God is keeping you alive, you are also being responsible with the grace that God has given you. So it is the part of the responsibility that I'll be trying to share with you. So you have to understand that the grace of God is available. The grace of God is available to every one of us in different forms, in different ways, and in different shapes. Whatever it is, the grace of God is available. What will make the difference between you and the next person sitting beside you is how the grace of God is utilized. How the grace of God is responded to. So throughout this series, I'll be teaching you how you can respond to the grace of God. So in the first part of this series, which will also be in different sessions, I will share with you the 12 ships that can sail through the storms of life. So life is a journey on stormy waters. And I want to show you the seven ships that can sail through. Now, Proverbs 24, the verses 3 and 4, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, it rooms are filled with real and beautiful treasures. Three keys here to building. All of us are building something. We're either building a dream, building a family, building a life, building a marriage. You are involved in trying to achieve something. The Bible teaches us from this scripture three key things that will make that possible. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Now, knowledge is information received 
Understanding is the interpretation you give to things as a result of the knowledge received. So all the information I'm going to give right now, the information I give tonight must become an understanding to you. It must help you to interpret life better. And then when you have information and then it leads to interpretation, Interpretation also leads to intelligence. Okay, so if you want to build something that is solid, a life that is solid, a life that is strong, a life that can withstand the storms of life, three things you need. You need, you need knowledge, which is information. You need understanding, which is the interpretation you give to things in life as a result of the information you have. And then as a result of that interpretation, you become an intelligent person. Are we here? So, so what this series will be attempting to achieve is to do these three things. Give you knowledge, give you understanding, and give you wisdom. So knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. If you have these three things, you can build anything from building your family to building a business from building your spiritual life to building your physical life these three keys are important that is why it is important for you to know who you listen to what you read and what you watch because wrong information will lead to wrong interpretation and wrong interpretation will lead to wrong understanding which will lead to foolishness okay so we need to be very careful who informs us i believe that in the next few weeks that i'll be doing this series you are going to receive very powerful and life transforming information from the word of god how many of you believe that let me hear your best amen is that your best amen? Is that your best amen? So let me now begin. Number one, number one, the first ship that can sail through any storms of life, any storms that come your way, the first ship that can sail through it is called censorship. Censorship. Because you must determine what and who you accept. Now, there is a very beautiful, beautiful um, parable in Matthew. A very beautiful parable in Matthew. Okay, so we'll be working with your... What you guys have there is the latest one that I've... Okay, so I still have it here. Okay. So we'll be working with what you guys have there. So Matthew 13, 47 to 48. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a, is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in basket, but threw the bad away. So the fishermen couldn't determine 
the types and kinds of fish that they will catch. So they threw their net and they caught some amount of fish. Then they came out, opened their nets and realized that they didn't catch just good fish. They were also bad fish. So they couldn't determine what they caught, but they could determine what they will accept. Are you here? In life, you don't determine what comes to you, but you determine what you can accept. Are you here? You don't determine the kinds of friends, the kinds of people that will come to you that I want you to be my friend. You can determine that, but you can determine whether you want to accept that friendship or not. You don't determine the opportunities that come your way, but you can determine whether you want to accept those opportunities or not. And it's very important you understand these principles. I told you several years ago, when mommy and I traveled to Australia, there was a man some few um, feet away from me in the queue who had the same luggage I had. So he gets to this um, immigration officer who asks him to open his luggage. The person looks through it and they engage in heated, heated argument. Then the woman pushes the luggage to another part and asks them to take him inside somewhere, not into the way that leads the city but into another room. Whilst they were taking him, the woman just said, you think you can just bring any baggage to this country? Then it got to my turn, the same luggage. The woman looks through it, goes through everything, closes it, gives it to me, and says, welcome to Australia. And she said, this is your luggage. The same bag, but one was a baggage, one was a luggage. The difference was the content. Are you here? The difference was the content. And they did not allow him to bring that thing into Australia, whatever it was inside, to bring it into Australia. So when you get to the airport, there is censorship as to what kind of human being can enter into our country and your life is like a country you are the immigration officer in charge and you must determine what enters into your life are you here it is not everybody that can be your friend it is not any story at all that you can accept as truth you need to examine things that come before you and determine what you accept. It is the first key to establishing your life against storms. Are you here? Because if you accept every, everything and anything into your ship, you will begin to carry weights. And then in the midst of the storms, your ship will sink. Are you here? So be careful what you accept into your life. You need to sit down and see the kind of weights 
that people have become on you. Some people have become, have retarded your velocity in life since they came into your life. They are a weight. Throw them away. You are, if you are a purpose-driven individual, you will realize that it is not anybody who can be your friend or can get into the, can get close to you and you should be able to make that strong and firm. So this evening, I'm calling on you to look into your life again. The people around you, the situations around you, where you go, the stories around you, examine your life. Take the weights of your, your ship so that you can survive the storms. Jonah was thrown overboard but the people wanted to survive the storms. Tonight, look at your life. There are some attitudes and behaviors you need to throw overboard. In censoring, your li- in censoring your life, you have to also look at your behaviors. There are certain behaviors that you have to reject. Don't say, oh, that's the way my mother was. That, that, that was the way my father was. Oh, my father was even wider than me. Oh, my father liked more women than me. Me, I have only gotten two women. My father had seven wives. Me, I have one wife, one girlfriend. You are complaining. Oh, that cannot be an attitude you should be proud of. Cannot be a behavior you should accept. You must kick it out of your life. You must push it far away from you. You must lighten your ship. And get the garbages out of your life. Am I speaking to someone here? Good, 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 good. So even the kingdom of God is like a man who cast the net into the sea when he has caught many fish, sat down and took the bad from, took away the bad and kept the good. That's how the rapture will be. Like it's not everyone that will come to God that will be accepted on the judgment day. Even the church. Can you imagine? So we are all like, like, like fish that have been caught by the net of Jesus. But on the judgment day, he's going to Separate the good from the bad. No iota of sin will enter heaven. Are you here with me? Okay. Number two. Number two is authorship. This is one of the popular ones I've been talking about. It's authorship. So the first ship that can survive the storm is censorship. Make sure your life is clean. Make sure bad people, bad things are out of your life. But the next one is authorship. Because your life is a story you must write yourself. Your life is a story you must write yourself. You can, when, when you are in trouble, eh, when you are in trouble, you are going through difficulties. People want to take over your life and then want to write your life story for you. I've been there before when I was in the stormy period of my ministry. When I came to Bachona and I was struggling, one day I was fasting and praying because we have put up a wooden structure and uh, we're trying to roof it. And I sold my car and the roofing sheets it bought were not enough. It covered a certain portion and the church was growing. And that Sunday, as I was preaching, I saw some people sitting in the sun. So that week I was before the Lord in prayer and the Lord gave me a name. Of a, of a lady 
So I went to the lady. Unfortunately, when I got there, the lady wasn't there. But the lady's daughter had taken over her company. So this young woman was there. And I said, oh, uh, my name is so-and-so. Um, I was praying today. And the Lord laid it on my heart to come and see your mom. Discuss something with her. So, oh, no, my mom is not inside the company again. I'm in charge. So if anything, tell me. Oh. And I opened my mouth and I said to her, that's here the Lord. Give her down me to roof her his church. Hey! Give me something to roof the house of the Lord. You know what the woman said to me? She's, she's a believer. She was a believer. I don't know where she still is. I haven't met her for so many years. But I met her later on in my life and ministry. And she had forgotten who I was. And I'll tell you that story soon. But the woman just looked at me and said, God has not called you. What you are doing, God didn't tell you to do it. But if God had called you, you wouldn't be here asking me for financial help. But when, when you are in need, then when you are in need, anybody can say anything to you. Now this was me, who had been a pastor for almost 11 years. Who, are, who people are getting blessed and I, I have led youth, I have been in a youth pastor, I've been a branch pastor, I have been a men's fellowship pastor, I have impacted people's lives, and now I'm starting a new work, and it's a small work, and I'm going through a lot of financial challenges. And here I was sitting by someone who, by the time I got born again, probably she had not gotten born again. But by the time I was even called, she had not even gotten born again. Now telling me that God has not called me. He was now writing my story for me. You know what she said? She said to me, you have to go back to Bible school. She said, if, she said our church, then the church, the, their church was running the Bible school. She said, our church is running the Bible school at a certain cost. If you agree, I'll pay that one for you. Go and learn how to pastor. Oh. And I've been to some of the best Bible theological institutions in Europe. And I come down. And I hear was someone telling me, God has not called me. I have to go back to Bible school to learn the calling. In fact, the person created self-doubt in me. As I was living, I felt, one, how to, how to even leave the office was a big problem for me. Oh, it was very, how am I going to live here? Hey! I left very embarrassed. As I sat in church rock coming, I said, is it possible that God had not called me? God did not call me to Barcelona. Is it possible that God has spoken to this woman? Do I have to go to the Bible school? She said I should go. But then I remembered what the Lord told me. I remembered when I was coming here, what the Lord told me. I remembered all the things that God said to me. It is called conviction. I said to myself, this woman will not rewrite my story. I need to be in charge of my own story. And I have to write my own story. But it comes to that level. There are people who came to me who came to me and said, the way you are suffering, the way you are suffering, why don't you make this church a branch of a bigger church? But one of my siblings, senior siblings, came to me and said, listen, a friend of mine has come to set up a church. He came from the UK. His church yes, is to set up a church. He has a good church in the UK, and he has come to set up a church in Ghana, and he wants a branch pastor. Why don't you go and work with him? I've spoken with him. He said, oh, oh why not? You, I know Yofi. I've been with Yofi as when he was a child. Uh, we were in the same fellowship. So it would be very nice to have Yofi come as a branch pastor. 
to bring you a fee. Today, that person's church is collapsed. That person respects me, values me, calls me bishop and salutes me when he meets me. But if at the, in the time when I was in the storms, if I allowed people to write my story for me, I would have been struggling today somewhere in some corner. Okay? The same thing happened to um, Ruth. Naomi wanted to rewrite Ruth's story. Naomi's sons had died. The husband had died. And Ruth was married to one of the sons. Naomi called her. Naomi says to her, listen, my sons are dead. My husband is dead. I can't remarry and have other children. I don't even know whether I will have sons if I remarry. The chances of getting remarried is slim. But even if I get remarried and have children and I get sons, will you wait for them to grow to marry you? So the story has ended. Go back to your people. Let me also go to my people. And all these things happened in chapter 1. But Ruth said to Naomi, you know something? My story is not a chapter. My story is a book. So if this chapter is not good, can I go to the next chapter? Let me see what is inside the next chapter. You can't draw a conclusion to my story like that. My story cannot end like that. In chapter 1 of the book of um, um, Ruth was a horror movie. Three men, all of them died. Anytime I watched a movie with mommy, that's what happens. When the first scene, they start with shooting, bang, 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 honey, please, let's not, let's not watch this thing. Let's not watch this thing. They are going to shed blood. I said, ah, this is a movie. He said, no, 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 no. She doesn't like those things. Once she see bing, bing, when I see bing, bing, that's what I'm enjoying. That's, that's what I'm, oh, she said, oh, she said no, 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 no. Let's not, let's not watch it. So like Naomi, Naomi saw the bing, bing. She said, hey, Ruth, the story ends here. Now, Ruth had another lady who married in the family. It was called Opa. Opa ended the story there. And we didn't hear of Opa again. Now, Ruth moves into the chapter 2. And it wasn't bad like the family. Nobody died there. But she was still a, a young widow. She had become a gleaner. And was eating the crumbs that fell from the table. But, but it was better than, than, than... So I'm not comparing good and better. I'm comparing um, bad and worse. So, so it was worse in chapter 1. It was bad in chapter 2. By the time the book was ending, now the Ruth had married Boaz, who gave birth to Jesse, who, Jesse, who gave birth to David. So in Ruth's story was the greatest king on earth, David. Are, are you here? Even though Ruth, Ruth's husband died in chapter 1, there was a husband waiting in the other chapters. You, you understand? There were other husbands waiting in the other chapters ahead. A better husband. Richer husband. The first chapter one marriage was a traditional marriage. The next marriage was a, was a, a glamorous white marriage. In the, in the first one, white, white wedding, in the first one, they were living in some in some in some Atakwami or, or some, some corner. They were living in some corner. They were actually living in some corner, in some kiosk somewhere. In the second marriage, the man was an owner of a big farm. I mean, they, they were living in Trasago Valley Estates. I'm telling you. So you see, Opa allowed Naomi 
to write a story based on Naomi's own perception of what the story should be. But Ruth wrote her own story. And through the line of David came Jesus. Came Jesus. So Ruth himself had a book in the Bible named after him, after her, because she chose to write her own story. Please, there are many people who have abrogated to themselves the position of consultants in your life. They want to tell you who to marry and who not to marry and how to marry your husband and how not to marry your wife. You must be in charge of your story and write your own story and be confident in yourself and write your own story. There is a certain story that must be written and that story must be written by you. For getting blessed, let me hear your amen. So now let me show you how people write their story. Five ways highly successful people write their story. Five ways highly successful people write their own stories. So number one, at least what I did, number one, they define their own mission. They define their mission. They define their mission. You have to discover why God created you. You were created for a reason. You are not an afterthought. You did not just happen. There's a reason why you were created. And you must understand that reason. It is called conviction. Conviction is the strongest anchor in the times of storms. In the midst of storms. That's what will keep you standing. I heard God. When God told me in Europe, your, uh, everything I created have their own place of abundance. He said, your place of abundance is not here in Europe, but in Africa, in Ghana, go. Then I came to Ghana, waiting upon the Lord to give me direction on what to do. And Timberkey invites me to come and dedicate a house. We dedicated the house whilst I was praying with her in the house. I said, a fellowship here will be fine. A fellowship here will be very, very fine. Then when we sat in the car, we were going back. Mommy said the same thing to me. Ah, can't you, when we went to pray for Auntie Becky, a fellowship there will be fine. I said, let's pray about it. The two of us went for a retreat in Takrade. We spent some time praying for a whole, a whole week. Then the last day of the prayer, at the beginning of the prayer, we used to go and pray in some um, place. And then at the last day of the prayer, I said to the Lord, when we started, Father, if you want me to go to Sprinters Road to start the work there, when I'm getting out of this place, when I get out on the street, show me three white four-wheel drives as a sign that you are calling me to do this. And let me see it on the street, following each other. I was making it impossible for God to speak to me. Because I was afraid. I wanted a reason not to come. I wanted a reason not to come to the Sprinters Road. Because there were not many houses here. And it looked very far. Then guess what? We came out after several hours of prayer. I've even forgotten. When I came out of the prayer um, closet, and I was walking toward the roadside to get back home, I saw two four with white passing. 
The Lord said, lift up your eyes. Then I saw. I said, Lord, yes, I've seen it, but I said three. He said, look again. And there was a third one. How I didn't see the third one, the first I didn't know. But there was a third one passing. I said, Kai, that's a confirmation. I showed it to mommy. I told mommy, this is what I told the Lord. Look at this. Okay. So we came back and then we kept praying. Then I said to mommy, let's go and visit Auntie Becky. If it is the will of God that we go to Sprinter's Road to start this work, let Auntie Becky herself invite us to start a fellowship in her house. So we get to Auntie Becky's house. We begin to chat, eat, talk. Then when she was seeing us off, she said, this is very far away from town. I don't know how often I can come to church. Can you come and start some fellowship in the house? So the second confirmation. Then, then I said, okay, let me speak to 15 top men of God that I know. Even if one of them says no, I won't do it. I went to all these 15 men of God. Every one of them I told said yes. The last person I deliberately chose the person because the person is naturally very negative in life. He is likely to say no in, <laughs> in 9 out of 10. He is likely to say no. So I went to the person, said to the person, I said, oh, this is what I want to do. The person said to me, it is even long overdue. It's even long overdue. Come on, go ahead and do it. And I left that new God has spoken. But I said, God, the last one. So I came around to do prayer walk. Walked through all, every lane in the estate with mommy. Every lane. To the last lane. As we're heading towards the end. I said, Lord, if it is your will, let three doubts gather on my head. When I get to the end. When I got there, there were no three doubts. Nothing. I said to mommy, we are not starting. The three doubts didn't gather. We are not starting. The next morning, I was using this old Passat. When you use old cars, you have to always put water in the morning. So I opened the bonnet. Pour, I was pouring water in the morning. I mean, those using old cars, you know what I'm talking about. Because you don't know who drinks the water from the car. You put water in the car. By the next day, it is finished. You have to put another one. And then you check your oil. You check your oil, then your petrol um, indicator is not working. So you shade the car to hear that petrol is doing check, check, and then you know that there is some petrol inside before you move. So I, I was doing my thing, trying to face the car to start the day, and then I heard some sound pop, 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 on top of me. I raised my head, and there were three doubts on top of me. Then I believed that God has called. So when we came here and things were difficult, I remembered all the instances that God spoke to me. That gave me a certain belief. And that belief is called conviction. I was convicted that this is where God wanted me to be. Based on that conviction, I faced every storm. I suffered on this land though. I have suffered here on this land. But I confronted every storm. I faced every storm because I knew that God has spoken. And my mission here was clearly defined. I knew that God has spoken. 
Whatever you do that you are sure God has spoken, you have a rhema. A re- what, if your action is backed by a rhema, no matter the storms, you will stay on and move on. May you catch a rhema for your life. So first there's a conviction. You must have that conviction. And you must pay the price for that conviction. And we pay the price for that conviction being here. Now, number two is that develop your vision. Based on what you believe God has told you, see the end from the beginning. See the end from the beginning. Because because usually starting something afresh in life, moving and doing something new in life is very challenging. If you look at the challenges and you don't see the glory ahead, you would you'll be discouraged. When you see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know you are getting to the end. And then your focus is there. You know you are getting to the end. So you enter into a dark tunnel and you don't know where you are going, but you see a light there. You walk towards the light. You know that as far as there is a light there, that is the exit point. And you walk towards there confidently, confidently. Anybody who has ever achieved anything powerful in life, successful in life, had been that person who saw the end from the beginning. God said to Abraham, lift up your eyes and see. Whatever you see, wherever you see, I will give you. At that time, remember, Lot had just left and Lot had taken the best part of the land. And so Abraham was standing in the midst of what looked impossible, in the midst of a very difficult situation. And the Lord said, from where you are, lift up your eyes. From where you are, lift up your eyes. So that you don't need a hill to see afar. You don't need to be on the mountain top to see afar. But by faith and with the sight of faith, even in the valley, if God spoke with you, you will see the end from the beginning. Okay? God went to Moses and said, I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey. So God gave him the picture of the end. God knew that there will be the Amalekites on the way there will be those snakes in the wilderness. God knew that there will be the Red Sea. God knew that they will be, hung, they will be hungry along the line. They will be thirsty along the line. But God gave him a picture that he did not allow the hunger, did not allow the snakes, did not allow all the difficulties he went through to take that picture away from him. I am going to a land flowing with milk and honey. I may be in the wilderness today, but I see milk and honey. I may be in the valley today, but I see milk and honey. I may I may be in some difficult situation now, but I see milk and honey. That is what I see. I see a better future. I see a greater future. I see a more powerful future. And therefore, what I feel today will not matter. It is what I see coming tomorrow that matters. Are you here? And, and that's what kept me alive on the Sprinter's Road. I told you how my body lived in abject poverty, in rat-infected rooms, in cockroach-infected rooms, but my, my body did not feel that because my mind, which is stronger than my body, was living in the future. And my mind could see, and everything I saw has become a reality. 
told you how I used to preach to say I would, I would have a university and some people left church because of those statements. I would do this in this country and I would do that in this country. I was seeing what they could not see. Let me tell you this. If all your friends understand you, then you are not a visionary. The people who come around you understand you. You see, visionaries, they are mysterious. I can remember how Sarah would feel when Abraham came and said, we are leaving. Where are we going? The Lord said, he will show me something. Let's go, let's go. The Lord said, he will give me a land. Let's go. But the Bible said, by faith, Abraham saw the land. Can you imagine when Moses said he was leaving Egypt? That was even more serious. But the Bible said, by faith, he saw the future. He saw the future. So what motivated him to leave a place, the palace, the most powerful kingdom at the time? He lived in the White House and decided that I'm leaving the White House, like in today's terms. I'm leaving the White House to go to some village called Fabrodia Betomichok. But he knew what God has said. And he knew where he was going. And he knew what he has, he has seen. I told you when I was a poor pastor and where we were meeting, our land was getting expired and we hadn't seen, we didn't have money, we didn't know what would happen. The Canada was following me, we were looking for a land. The people said they will not renew the contract, so we were looking for a land. We went to this place. And then we spoke with this man. This man was smoking and had drunk. He said, oh, no, 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 I won't give my land to church. We believe here. When we were going, he called the Canada back. He said, you see this guy? He's going to be one of the biggest pastors in this country. Don't leave him, follow him. He said, don't leave him, follow him. <laughs> see, that, that guy could see. And he wasn't prophesying, you know. But when he saw my attempt to convince him, my words, my boldness to come, and probably he had, he had seen the work we were doing there, even though it was small, he said, no, this guy has a future. Your ability to identify that future, see that future, will bring you what I call concentration, focus, focus, focus. If, if you don't have focus, anything can attract you. But if you have focus, you, you, you stay on your line and all the noises around you will not take your attention off. Because you have focus. Are you here? Now, if you saw the England and Italy um, finals, you could tell when they were going to take the, um, the freakies, you could tell in the faces of the Italians, they were more focused. They needed most of the Italian players were in their 30s. This could be their last Euros. And what, 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 is, what is football if you cannot show to your children and your great-grandchildren the trophies you won whilst you were playing football. And these people, they were earning. That was the, some of them had played football in teams that have never won anything. And this was their last chance to hang some trophies on the wall so that their great-grandchildren will come and see our grandfather did something. Our great-grandfather did something. That was a motivation enough to keep them focused. Keep them focused. 
If anything attracts you and breaks your focus, you will do everything in general, but you achieve nothing in particular. There must be one thing that you are focused on that is driving your life, driving your passion. That thing that wakes you up in the middle of the night to pray. That thing that pushes you out of the bed in the morning to go out there and do something with your life is what will cause you to stand in the midst of the storm. There must be one thing that is driving your life. There must be this dream. There must be this job. There must be this vision. There must be this future that has engaged you so much that you are too busy to hang around people that have no vision. Do I have someone like that in the house? Do I have some focused person in the house? For about four to five years when mommy and I were here, we were so focused on what we were doing that the most of our friends did not see us. The time some of them realized I was on radio, some of them realized I was on TV. And they were like, ah, is that not Yofi? Is that not Titi Ofer? Is that not Gideon? When did he get here? when you are busy building a dream the dream encloses you and disconnects you from people that will create distraction and you are focused on building it let me tell you this if you are not busy today you are not pursuing any dream there's no future for you today you should be so busy working on your future that the past cannot discourage you. You should be so busy today working on your future that the current challenges of today cannot discourage you. Because you are so busy. What you are seeing ahead encourages you. What you see ahead is what empowers you and moves you forward. And I want you to see something ahead of you. It's called a vision. See something. In the midst of abject poverty, I was seeing who I am today. In the midst of abject poverty. I used to go to Achimata Forest almost every day. Sometimes sometime I get there before they open the gate. My vision was so powerful, I couldn't sleep. I prayed the whole night. Early in the morning, I'll leave home by five something. Tell mommy to take then Kevin to school. And I'll leave home by five something. By the time I get there, they hadn't opened. I'll be praying in my car. They open the forest. I enter. I begin to pray. I was so busy pursuing that future thing that I didn't have time for my past or for any challenge apart from the future. How many visionaries are here? There is hope for your future. As far as there is life, there is hope. You have life, there is hope. As far as you are not dead, there is hope. You can turn that situation around. You can turn that thing around. So have faith in the Lord and have faith in that future that it shall work. Hmm. Now, defend your values. Defend your values. Defend your values. People that write their own stories. They, they have created values for themselves. It's, that's why it will help you to consecrate your life unto the Lord. Because, because Joseph knew where he was going. And I had a dream. 
he did not see Potiphar's wife as an opportunity. He, see, he saw Potiphar's wife as a problem to, as a barrier to where he was going. So he, he has set his own rules and regulations that governed his behavior. If you are writing your own stories, one of the things that you will note is that you will have values for yourself. You will set up your own. You don't, you don't need a supervisor to do something. You have your own rules. You don't need anybody to supervise you. You have your own regulations that governs your life. Are you here with me? Then the next one is that determine your deadlines, competition. Now, I've told you here that the best way to compete is not to compete with human beings, but compete with time. Say, by this time I'll be here. By this time I'll be there. By this time I'll be here. Now, Jesus' mother told Jesus, I want you to work a miracle. He said, my time has not yet come. He knew when he was going to do something. You know how many times people ask me now 10 years before i started running affiliate which has become a crab business school people thought i should start training i said no my time has not come i will emerge at the right time your understanding of the times will help you you are seeing a 10-year vision but what is god telling you to do now is crucial make sure that you are not late make sure you are ahead of time Three groups of people here. If I ask you right now, what are you doing today? You are likely to, oh, I'm sitting here listening to you. Oh, I'm here, I'm just, today I've been going around my distance. But you see, what are you doing today? You are doing one of three things. You are either doing yesterday's things today, or today's things today, or tomorrow's things today. Those doing tomorrow's things today, are those who are ahead of time. They are the people that make the front pages of our newspapers. The people that when they speak, it is recorded for the world to hear. Don't be doing yesterday's things today. Don't even do today's things today. You are just an average person. If you finish university first degree at 22 or 23 or 24 or 25, you are an average person. But have your PhD at 27. You have done tomorrow's things today. And you are appreciated. Compete with time, not with people. Are you here with me? Then finally, devise your strategies, contextualization. All those who are writing their own stories, eh, knew the environment where they grew up. They know where they are. I know where I am. I know there are things. You have to know the things that can kill your dreams and the things that can give life to your dreams. You have to know the people around you and the things around you. You have to study them and study them carefully. Now, let me tell you this. All these things I've shared with you, you'll find it in the life of people who are writing their own story. Don't let anybody write your story for you. God created you with a purpose. Discover the purpose. Leave it. And leave it with a certain conviction. And you will get there. How many of you are listening to me? You will get there. 
I see, I see some people who are, who are writing their own stories here. Am I speaking to you? Your amen should be better. Amen. From tonight, you are going to rewrite your story. Amen. They wrote the story for you. And they wanted to give you a bitter end. But hey, tonight, you are rewriting your story. Amen. When you leave here, the Holy Ghost will even make this sermon better for you. And you will be given a direction by the Holy Ghost. And you will write your own story. Nobody will write your story for you. You will write your own story. Amen. Now, the next ship that can survive storms, the next ship that can survive storms is relationship. Relationship. So I'll do three tonight so I don't keep you here for long. Relationship. Because human beings are the best support system in times of crisis. Let me tell you. They are the best support systems in times of crisis. If you are in crisis and you don't have people standing with you, you are finished. You are finished. That's why you must build very solid and strategic relationships. Very solid and strategic friendships. You can't be in a church like this and say, I work, I come alone, I go alone, I work alone in life. Oh, the thing you are praying about, God has not answered because the person that sits behind, beside you in church has the solution to it. But because you walk alone and you see alone and you come alone and you live alone and you do everything alone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you when I was pastoring in Teshi, there was a guy he had the nickname was called I Walk Alone. It was a guy, nickname was I Walk Alone. So I was trying to witness to you and say, So why, why do you have a nickname I Walk Alone? Hey, I walk alone because human beings are bad. If you don't want trouble, don't get yourself involved with human beings. Of course, there are a lot of bad people, but there are a lot more good people in town that you need to find. It would take one good person for your life to turn around. So you need to build solid relationships. Solid relationships. Now, next slide, please. Look at this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down and cannot earn one, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let me re-emphasize the things I've been teaching you about building solid relationships. First, it must make your life better. If it makes your life better, it's not a good relationship. Are, are you here? If, if, if a friendship will make your life better, then being one is better. Because the Bible says two are better than one. But if two become bitter than one, then please remain one. So let me show you how you can determine whether this relationship will make your life better or bitter. Today, I want you to redefine your friendship. 
Some close friends must become acquaintances. Some close friends must become casual friends. Some people who claim to be your best friends are close associates. When I, I do this analysis based on this scripture, you will now determine whether they are close friends, associates, friends, intimate friends. You see, there are levels of friendships and consistently you must redefine relationships. If you keep the same relationship and friendship over a long period of time, it's because you are not developing. You are not building your life and you are not developing. Okay? So here is it. Based on the scripture we just read, Four things, four things that will show, that will determine whether the relationship, the friendship you are in is quality, will make your life better or bitter. Number one, number one, prophets, prophets. The two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. They have a good return for their labor. You see, prophets, the relationship must bring you positive benefits benefits so you ask your life ask yourself since we became friends since we started building relationship what kind of positive impact have you made on my life if i look into my life will i see a handwriting of this friendship that is positive are you here with me number two every good relationship must bring you promotion. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. You want people that can help you up, not push you down. Are you here? You want people that can help you up, not push you down. And you need to focus on building relationship with people that can help you up, not pull you down. That can lift you up, not pull you down. You need those people. Jonathan was like that with David. In the midst of David's crisis, Jonathan said, I will stand with you. I will help you. I will be with you. David survived because he had a friend he could trust. A friend who was with him in the midst of his crisis. Who lifted him up. Not fair weather friends who show up when everything is fine. And they go away when things are difficult. And they show up when things are fine. No, 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 no. No, those people, you can't trust them. You need someone that will bring you promotion. Your relationship with that person must bring a certain elevation in your life. You must see that you have progressed. You have seen, you must see that you have moved on. Because of that friendship. A friendship must make you relevant. It was the relationship, Mary's relationship with David, with, with Joseph, with, with Joseph, that brought the angel to her. Because the child must come from a certain lineage. And Joseph was from that lineage. And Joseph was married to Mary. So the angel came to Mary because of Joseph. Because of where Joseph was from. And some people who come into your life eh, and they bring blessings. They come into your life and they bring blessings. There are others who come into your life and they bring curses. Hmm? Number three, a good relationship will empower you. Power. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. 
a good relationship will make you grow powerful. It will empower you and raise you up. It will not disadvantage you. Am I speaking to someone here? Powerful. Then finally, protection. Who can defend themselves? A good, powerful relationship can help you defend yourself in life. The person will defend you and stand for you. I have a childhood friend. You know how Ghanaians, we don't celebrate our own and when people are successful, people say all manner of things about them and all those things. This childhood friend of mine met a group of people. Hey, so where is that your friend? Yeah, we have seen on TV. He's doing this. Hey, yeah, yeah. That is speaking. He schooled them. Now someone else in the meeting called me and said, Charlie, is that your friend there? The way he defended you here and schooled all of us, the people criticizing you, and schooled us. He said, me, I know the guy. I, we are still friends up to now. I go to his house. Started schooling them. I told you how a friend of mine, who when he was successful, I was still struggling, met him in Europe, and I used to sleep in his hall. And I saw him as my hero. We went to the same secondary school together. We were leading the SU together. He knew where I had come from. I met him in Europe. I was a student. He had finished school. He was settled. He had a church running. I saw him as a hero. Then eventually, and when he was my hero and he was the most successful amongst our friends, his doors were open to all of us. You know, when, when you land in Europe, you invite to come home before you go anywhere. Come to me before. You. And when you go to him, he wants, to, he wants you to know that I'm a big man now. Then the table turned. Then suddenly I emerged. Then his wife called one of our friends' wife and said, Hey, tell him what is happening. Say, What is happening? Say, Hey, Gideon, his name is everywhere. Tell him this thing is too sudden. There might be something under it. And then this friend's wife said, Charlie, you guys are wicked. Because you guys knew Gideon from his childhood. How he got born again. He has gone through the mill. And you guys can sit down and think of this about him. And you have called me to get me involved into this thinking. My friend's wife defended me against my friend's wife. You need people like that, oh. You need people like that. Recently, I was told somebody went to raise my issue somewhere. One of the pastors in this church said, Stop! Stop there. Don't go beyond there. Don't go beyond that. Don't go beyond that. I'm not going to allow you to start that thing. If a friend comes to tell you, another friend told a story, a negative story about you, and they sat down for one hour. And one said negative things about you. And the, and, the, and the conversation did not end in a disagreement. And he comes to tell you, you should be careful. Oh, yeah, yeah, you should be careful. Hey, one hour, power, what were they talking? And the person is telling you things. And there are gap fillers that you can't find. 
So what led to this and what led to that? What led to this and what led to this? And you can't find it. Listen, you need to build solid relationships. You need to build relationships with people that can stand with you, that can defend you, that can speak for you. Are, are you here with me? At least Jesus had some friends who stood with him, went through the meal with him. They were, some of them were with him in Gethsemane when they came to arrest him. Some followed. At the end of his crucifixion and resurrection, he came back to that same, those same friends and left them with his message and they transformed the world. Even Jesus needed solid relationships. Their solid relationships. Amen. I'll end here today. We'll continue next week. I pray for everyone. Rise on your feet. I pray for every one of you that this word will have a penetrating effect in your life. Amen. And change your life after tonight. In the name of Jesus, the Son of the living God, lift up your voice and begin to pray. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Lift up your voice and pray. Just lift up your voice and talk to the Lord. Speak to the Lord. Tell the Lord to help you censor your life. Tell the Lord to help you utter your life. Help the Lord to tell you build solid relationships. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Spirit help us, of God. Oh Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. We give Jesus, you glory. Father, take all the glory. Yes. Take every praise. Yes, take every honor. For your word tonight we know lord lives will change lives will be transformed as a result of the administration of your word in jesus name amen